Hey, this is Aaron Lee from Killing Candice, and you are listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. I'm Bruce. And I'm Chris. Today we've got Aaron Lee from Killing Candice, an unbelievably great, dirty rock and roll band out of L.A., uh, you're going to want to check this out. We've even got a tune for them coming up. I'm loving this this new breed of high-octane rock that's coming around. Yeah, it's like our second interview this week with bands I wasn't too familiar with, but bands that I'm totally in love with now. Yeah, I'm referring to, Wild, referring to Wild Street, and it's some. it reminds me of like the 80s, but you mentioned it in one of these conversations that it's like the 80s with a 2020 sensibility to it. It's really cool. Yeah, very cool. Lots of live music and real players and not really quantizing and programming. How about that? Come on. Oh, hey, hello. Aaron. Hey, what's up, brother? How are you? Good. How are you? Meet I'm my good. partner, Chris. Chris, hello. how are you doing, man? Good, hey, man. How are you? Not too bad, brother. Hey, I just want to let you know, I don't have my uh, video thing functioning. So are you good yeah. with just the audio line? We oh, only yeah. use audio. So that's perfect. Oh, yep. Great. So it works out great. Yeah, man, I got all my wires crossed this morning. We're doing a bunch of these, and I just dialed the wrong number. Uh, it, it's totally cool. It's totally cool, man. So you doing okay? Yeah, man, great. Not too bad. Not too bad. How about you guys? Doing all right. You out in L.A. today? I am. Yeah, I live out here in Hollywood. Nice. 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 Very nice. I just yes. listened to the to the song on your Facebook page, and it reminded me of L.A. And then I hit a oh, right. I hit the about, and then it was like, oh, yeah, they are in L.A. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, uh, which song? Uh, which song was it? Let me go to it. When I, I just Did clicked it... videos, and it was the featured video. Miss Deception. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the single, and we did a video for it. That, that We released that earlier in the year, actually. Nice. Killer sound. Yeah, yeah. Really good I sound. I appreciate it. Thank you. Know, you. It's like ass kicking rock and roll. Yeah, you know, that's like always kind of been my thing, you know, being from Britain, I've always had a bit of that punk influence, you yeah. know, but uh, so I like to keep that kind of driving, you know, hard edge and that gritty attitude there. But then a lot of my favorite bands are also that kind of 80s hard rock hair metal sound, you know, big yeah. riffs, yeah. big choruses. So, you know, like your Motley Crue's, your Skid Rose, they were big influences of me too. So I feel like the Killing Candy sound is almost a mishmash of a bit of everything. And uh, I've just tried to really put like a modern spin, you know, on a good hard rock sound. So it's kind of where I'm at. No, nice. oh, I think you hit it right on the head. What's the, uh, I mean, the Hollywood and that whole sunset area was the scene back in the eighties. What's the scene out there like now? You know what, dude, it's in this weird dip. I've said it for the last few years because, yeah, it, it was really thriving. And, and the way I kind of see L.A. Uh, and the Hollywood scene is it kind of comes in waves. You know, like you had that big uh, 80s hard rock scene and then that kind of died out a little bit and grunge took over. But even that, I think, kind of, um, you know, kind of came mostly out of what, like Seattle and yeah. the northern yeah. side. So L.A. was still in this weird dip. And then you had the 90s, which... I guess what bands maybe like 
Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, they were coming through. And then you had that whole new metal uh, movement, which kind of came out of LA too. And you had a bunch of bands. And then right. I, I remember I was still living in the UK up until 2000, the end of 2007. And around the mid 2000s, you also had that big like orange candy, like metal core scene, you know, yeah. um, mm-hmm. come out of there. So, so, you know, like a few years went by. And, um, you know, honestly, I haven't really heard a band in the last 15 years that I've been really blown away by. I think the last band that I really said, man, what a killer record, you know, what a great sound was probably like when Avenged Sevenfold released that City of Evil album. And and I thought these are the this is the best new band on the scene right now globally. Right. And I was having this conversation actually um, about a week ago with Jerry Montano, who's a Danzig's bass player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so me and Jerry were talking um, about maybe like doing a side project sometime, you know, when we have some time outside of our main bands. And he, he was like, you know, I've got this idea for a hard rock sound. And, we, you know, yeah, we were just chatting. It was like, man, I really feel like the scenes in a weird dip. Um, so to be honest, man, yes, I already go the long way with this conversation. But <laughs> no, that's it's, fine. It's, it's more just relativity. Um uh, I feel like the LA music scene, you know, has had some good bands that kind of pop here and there. But right now, dude, it's in this really weird dip where there's some great potential. I know some great local bands and we're just not getting that push, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, dude, the LA scene, it's really weird because another thing is, you know, it, it, it is a city where the cost of living is, is pretty crazy. So a, a lot of people come out here and, um, you know, we, we do what we can to really get our projects rolling. But the one setback I think every band will admit to having is uh, financial and budget issues when it comes to really pushing your band because people are putting so much into, you know, cost of living out there that it literally leaves you penniless for investing in solid things like PR and marketing campaigns, you know. And and, and I'm just being real, you know, and, and... you know, a lot of musicians out there, they, they uh, you know, live it up on the social medias and stuff. But the reality of it is, like, that's where a lot of their promotions are uh, going in. And, and it pays off for some guys. But um, but with other people, you know, they, they just don't have the finances and budget to, to put into, you know, like, w- what's important and where you're really going to get your sound out there. Um but yeah, I mean, I don't know, LA, dude, I think I feel like anything could go. Uh, I feel like the live scene is dying, to be honest. And sometimes really? I wonder if that's if that's been in the social media age, you know, where everyone's kind of glued to technology. Right. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure how it is in like other parts um, uh, of the country. I'm sure that there's more thriving cities for for music scenes, but in LA, dude. Um, and again, maybe it's just the whole cost of living thing and people are, you know, just fucking broke. But it's it, people are stingy, man. It's hard to get people to come out to shows, you know. Because oh, that's, that's a shame because that... Go ahead. Sorry, Chris. Well, I was just going to say that's a shame because The Strip is such a classic live music setting. Yeah. You it, know? It really is, dude. But do you know what? Since we kind of saw the demise of like the House of Blues back in, I think, 2013 or 2014, yeah. uh, that, that for me was like the start of, you know, the decline um, because it left us minimal, solid clubs to play at around Hollywood. Like now, yes, you still have the Viper room, 
Yeah. But that's been up and down. They've gone through several different management changes and they've had uh, different booking agents. The whiskey, as much as I love the whiskey, uh, you know, to death, great, great place. A lot of history. The, but the whiskey operates on like a pay-to-play basis. Oh, yeah, also. that's crazy. So, so local bands are getting like bucks left, right and center because, you know, it's one of these deals where, yes, it creates great opportunities. And I think the best thing for a local band is to jump on a bigger show with a bigger band and, you know, even risk, you know, uh, doing the pay-to-play thing if you're going to get a good press and promo of playing that show, you know, yeah. maybe opening uh, at a good slot for, for an established band. But just to go to the whiskey to play, you know, uh, just a bog standard show, it, it's it's just not worth the investment, you know. And, and that's just me being how, how much do, just here. just uh, just being real. How much does the whiskey charge to do that? I find that uh, terrible. It, it, it's absurd, and I'll tell you two two things I dislike about it. Um, yeah, I'm not sure exactly. It basically varies by time slot. So obviously, if you want one of the you know like shittier time slots, like you pay the playing basically to ten people in the sound guy, like a seven o'clock time slot. Yeah, yeah, it might it might be I don't know, eighty-five to to hundred bucks, and that's just an estimate. But let's say you want like main headline slot opening for I don't know like L.A. Guns or Faster Pussycat. Yeah. I mean yeah, that's going to be a pretty penny, and I understand why the booking agents do it. Uh, it's really it ruins it for independent mu- uh, musicians, to be honest. Sure. Um, it ruins it because what it does is um, I understand why they do it because it goes towards paying the headlining act. So they do it to basically uh, meet the guarantee or meet most of the guarantee. Yeah. But, but what sucks is these guys make money on the fucking bar at the venues. Uh, you know, the, these guys make money on just general ticket sales. And then also a lot of these venues, they even have contracts with the artists that um, say, oh, we want to take like 10 to 15% of your merch sales for selling your merch. Oh, oh yeah. Every, yeah. So, every major venue does that. Every arena yeah, in yeah. the world does it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it kind of pisses a lot of us off because like, it's not like these guys aren't making money, you know. And yeah. then a, a lot of artists are, are left hanging. But then the, the second thing which annoys me, and this is no disrespect against any bands because I support all artists regardless of genre, uh, what you play. You know, we're all in the same game. We're all in it together. So if, you, if you're an artist and a musician, you know, I've, I've got you back. I support you, even if I don't particularly like your style of music. Um, but w- what annoys me is um, as much as I'm for, you know, like diversity and good solid lineups, what it does with the pay to play thing, you, you get like your um, kind of high school, you know, kid bands that maybe their parents are investing in the, uh, in, in the, in the bands, you know, yeah. and they'll like jump on these shows or you'll get, you know, like the local fucking cover band or something, you know, uh, jump on these shows and, what it does, it just kind of throws it throws off the whole vibe and, and the lineup. I never know? thought of that, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So so some shows you'll get like, you know, like 17, 18 year old kids who might be solid musicians, but you know, not really the best band for the fit, but because they could come up with the money or because their parents would be like thrown in, you know, on, on the pay to play deal. Uh, then you know, and, and you know what sucks with some of these like battle of the band competitions that are going on as well those are the bands that end up getting further regardless of how good they are or not because, again, it's all on uh, a ticket-based, you know, or, or a voting-based oh, yeah. system. Yeah. So you could be absolutely solid bands, but let's just say, like, you know, you don't have a good good draw 
and then you've got like you know the 17 18 year old like uh, novices that come out but they bring their whole fucking family and half their high school right. out. they're <laughs> gonna end up they those guys end up like playing fucking side stages at warped tour you know based on fucking numbers and uh, i think it's unfair to the to the industry and and that's you know i know i've gone on a massive rant here uh but like but no that's, that's good of, that's kind of where that's kind of where everything is at, you know, and, and you see with social media, you know, it, it's about numbers. It's not about talent. It's not about like raw, pure, like songwriting anymore. You know, um, it, it's about numbers. And, uh, I think a, a lot of people, you know, fr frustrated by it. At least I am a little bit. Oh, I, I can fully understand why you would be. I remember when the first time I heard about pay to play on the strip and I didn't really understand what it meant. You know, I thought like you had to buy the tickets for the venue and then you would sell the tickets to the venue. I, I didn't really understand how it worked. Yeah, I, I believe how it works is, um, you know, you, you uh, agree a contract to say, you know, like, yeah, we agree to um, sell, uh, let's say, like 50 tickets, you know, for this time slot. And what happens is let, if you whatever tickets you're unable to sell, they expect you to cover the cost for. So if you only sell uh, 40 tickets at $20 and you got 10 remaining, then when you get to the show that day to turn you, your ticket money in, they'll say like, oh, well, you guys didn't sell these 10 tickets. Uh, you know, you, you owe us like 10 tickets to it. So then you oh, pay, out, pay out your own pocket or forfeit the slot. Like I, I've known bands that have got cancelled on the day of the shows because they didn't meet the, uh, you know, the stipulation. Wow. wow. Are, clubs, yeah, I, are, 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 are clubs like that generally packed right now for live music? Um, do you know, I've been in the studio most of this year, so I haven't um, honestly been out uh, as far as the nightlife goes and shows. But yeah. um, I, I, again, like, I think it's just the odd shows. And obviously the bigger shows and those bands that are riding on their name or they've been around a while, you know, they're still drawing crowds for sure. Yeah. But... Um, as far as as far as up and coming bands, I, I really don't know. I don't know. It, it seems probably mostly scarce. Like a lot of the local bands, um, the venues that they're playing, it's more mid level sized clubs to you know like smaller venues. Um, I mean, I don't know. And Hollywood's interesting. Another thing about Hollywood um, is that they've been doing these jam nights the last few years, and they're great. They've been fantastic for exposure. And if you're a local musician, you can jump up. And you, you know how it works is you you know um, you you sign up um, and you basically get called up to to play a song. It's all kind of pre done in advance. You'll get like the songs that they want you to learn. Yeah. But there's no solid solid rehearsals. And um, it, usually every jam night. Um, there's there's three. There's one at the Viper Room on a Monday. There's one at the Whiskey on a Tuesday, and there's one at a place called Lucky Strike on a Wednesday. And uh, the the organisers, what they do is they you know uh, they hit people up and they're like, hey, we've got these. This is the song list, or this is the theme. You know, um, you want to jump on this song? So they use like guitar players, bass players, drummers, singers, like all over the scene, from up and coming people to established musicians. And it's great because you might, you know, be on stage with, you know, like a member, like a session musician of like, you know, top, top band. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I, I, and I've like uh, played with some great people and like we've had like um, 
some really fucking good musicians turn out of those jam nights. Um, sure. Try, but, but, but what it's done is I feel like it's killed the live scene a little bit also because people have got the mentality of, well, why would I pay 15, 20 bucks a ticket to go out and see, you know, this local band when for no cover, I can go out and see these established, you know, musicians um, at these jam nights for free and there's no cover on it. So I, I love I love the jam nights to death and I've been connected to them. I played with them. But, but you know, I think the reason that the, um, you know, like capacity and audiences are affected with local bands is because, you know, people have just got that mentality of, you know, why am I going to pay 10, 20 bucks a ticket, you know, when I can go to the jam night, you know, and like get in and, and see, you know, and fucking see like Johnny Depp hanging out. And right. That, so. And you go see Tracy Guns play guitar, you know, all night or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah, and actually, Tracy's a bass player. Johnny, he's a friend of mine. Um, he, yeah. he gets up at those jam nights all all the time. You know, so yeah, the, I see. They there's uh, the Sin City Sinners do that too in Vegas quite a bit. Yeah, do you know I actually toured with uh, Brent long, long time ago in 2007 when yeah. I, when I was in the UK. Uh, I played bass for a band called Gypsy Pistoleros out there, and, and we actually did the 20th anniversary tour with Faster Pussycat. Oh wow! But it, yeah, it was literally that last one that he did under the name because I know there was a bunch of legal stuff going on, and Tammy ended up, um, you know, uh, getting the rights to the name, and then. It was a really inter interesting, controversial situation because they were also advertising for the first annual Rocklahoma, which we actually played. Yeah. And what happened was all the press was done um, and all the press conferences they did with uh, Brent and uh, Eric Stacy, uh, like three original members. And then when it came to the festival, it was actually Tammy's version that ended up playing the festival. So that was a really weird. Oh, uh, man, that's weird. weird. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, wow, there was a lot of that going on with uh, the, those '80s bands, which is a shame. It, you know, it is. But do you know what? It was good to see Tracy and Phil link back up in LA Guns. So oh yeah, I agree. That that the, I, I have their their new record is is pretty good. But the one that they released with the song "Speed" on it was mm -hmm. that song. Blew, that record was unbelievable. Yeah, to to be honest, man, like I I really think like um, Tracy Guns is one of the most underrated guitar players ever. You know, it doesn't he gets credit, but you know, no one no one's talking about him like when it comes to you know like your Vies and your Satrianis and you know your Eddie right. Van Halen. He he falls out, but dude, for uh, just all around personality and. Uh, on stage like he's still got it he's one of my favorite guitar oh, players for sure one of my favorite bands of all time is la guns i love that band and, yeah absolutely. and tracy is such a monster player he is dude i remember seeing him one time uh, i lived on the east coast for a minute and i saw him in charlotte north carolina and uh he you know when all these bands about probably 10 12 years ago uh, yeah about 10 years ago you know, we're, we're using like their big fucking stacks and half stacks. Like he just yeah. fucking came, he came on stage, dude, with like literally like a, an awesome like thirty watt, fifty watt combo amp. Yeah, plugged in, found his tone, uh, and he just fucking shredded, dude. And that was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen. You know, like in in a day, in a day, in these days, an era where you know technology is super advanced and crazy. He's got his Les Paul. 
he plugs into like a little combo amp and he just wails. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I follow I follow him quite a bit on Facebook, and uh, he's always testing out like these tiny, like the new tiny amps that they're making. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty interesting to to do. What are you playing on stage now, like for amps and stuff? Uh, I use Blackstar. I oh, love nice. Black- yeah, and uh, obviously I'm a little bit biased being from Britain because they're made in uh, Northampton. <laughs> yeah, I, I got li- I got uh, linked up with those guys at uh, one of the NAM festivals. Um, but previously to that, I actually um, a long, long time ago I opened for Crash Diet, who are one of my favorite bands. Nice. Um, so they have a new record out today, don't they? Yeah, they have a new singer. Um, I know for this record, because they've had such bad luck, you know, like up and down with singers after their original singer, Dave Leppard, died. Um, and for me, that was when they pinnacled, to be honest. Um, I think that was probably around 2004 or five. And then Dave, I guess, committed suicide and they replaced him with a guy from another band. And then he had to go back to his band. And then they replaced him with Simon Cruz, who was great. But then he just kind of vanished and fell off the map. And then I think they're kind of, they're picking it back up. So I'd be interested to check out the new record, but um, yeah, I was opening up for crash diet and uh, their tech was so cool. He was like, Oh, Hey man, save, uh, you know, throwing all your gear up on here. You can just run through their cabs if you want. And I was like, Oh, all right, sweet. So I uh, ran my amp head through one of their black stars and it was just so fucking beefy. And I was like, damn dude, like these rigs are awesome. And, Ever since that show, I was like, I'm going to get a Blackstar endorsement. Don't care how I do it, or I'm going to get a Blackstar rig. And then it wasn't until about six years later that I was at a NAM festival. And uh, I ran into Alex Kane, who Alex played with a band called, um, oh, what they call Anti. Can't remember the name of the band, but long story short, they opened for the Murder Dolls a long, long time ago. And, uh, and um, I, I saw him in my hometown, and then I ran into him at Nam. And uh, what happened was I got chatting with him, and then uh, I saw that he was endorsed with Blackstar too. So I went over to the Blackstar uh, stand at Nam, and I talked to uh, Lauren, who ended up becoming my rep. He's the LA rep for Blackstar and Korg USA. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, g- give me a shout, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, usually Nam's such a hectic time, you know, to hit um, – to hit uh, um, manufacturers up for endorsements because they get flooded, you know, and they you sure. know, get flooded with people. But I gave it a couple months and um, I hit them up and uh, I really wasn't that active, to be honest. I think I was still riding the EP. And um, what happened was they said, yeah, you know, give, give us a shout when you're more active, when you're touring, and we can, you know, maybe figure out an artist deal for you. And now, uh, honestly, what happened was a year went by and I was uh, in the studio, but I got an offer to go tour with some friends that have a band called Firing All Cylinders. And they actually just dropped a record. They're a pretty good um, LA-based like rock metal outfit. So I took a tour with um, Firing All Cylinders in 2017. And what happened was um, I hit Lauren up again at Blackstar. And I'm like, hey, man, um, this is my situation. I'm going to be on the road. You know, you could get some good... Um, you know, like promotion from it, etc. And we went ahead and like um, li- linked the deal up, and uh, that's how I ended up getting linked up with Blackstone. 
love the amps, man. It really helps, you know, nice. kind of mold, mold my sound, great amps. Um, you know, and like, uh, I'm not like pissing on Marshall at all because I was always that Marshall Gibson, you know, slash, yeah. slash combo guy. But, um, I compared the Marshall to the Black Star, and the Black Star just got that bit more bite and balls to the sound, you know, so, um, they won me over and, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of artists are using black star and switch to black star, regardless of what genre, uh, you are, you know, just their tones cover so many genres. Like so great. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my rig. Nice. Awesome. So tell us, uh, what's killing Candace up to these days. Yeah. So it's been an interesting year because I got like everything, um, kind of in a position where I can really start pushing the band. You know, last year I recorded the EP um, with Damien Reyna, uh, who's the bass player for Once Human. Um, and uh, those guys have um, Logan from Machine Head. I think he's their guitar oh, player. Oh, yeah. yeah. Logan Mater, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Logan plays with, uh, with Damien. I did my EP with him, you know, just to kind of, once put it out there, hadn't really done anything as far as my, uh, my main band and solo stuff goes for a while because mm -hmm. I was help. I was literally playing guitar for everyone else's band in LA and put my stuff on the back burner. And then you know, after I got back, after I got back off that tour, I was like, you know what, I'm going to get back to my own stuff and really start pushing this and have a solid push in 2019. So last year we knocked out the EP and then I shot a video with, uh, Matt Zane from society one. Mm -hmm. so, Matt, so Matt did the uh, Misdeception video, and uh, I ended up running a PR campaign for that, and uh, we we got a premiere through Vents Magazine, dropped it in February, and uh, yeah, that was just kind of to let people know, like, hey, you know, I'm back on the scene, you know, this is my new project, my new sound, um, I'm ready to kind of roll with it, and uh, got my band together, and uh, we... We played three shows this year. It's all I've done. Um, and, and again, because like kind of going back to what I was saying about the local scene in LA, you know, like I'm, we're all very hungry as musicians, you know, you have to be, but I was weighing up, you know, like, is it, how beneficial is it for me to play a local LA show when my main goal with this project is to market it as like, you know, touring band or like a festival band. Right. So the local shows are great for testing out new music or testing out your set, you know, maybe, you know, getting a few gigs under your belt. But to be honest, like, I just felt like I'm better off being in the studio or, you know, continuing to produce content and material because that's going to take me uh, further in the long run. So what happened was I got it, you know, I put some stuff out, put a lyric video out and the misdeception video had like a pretty strong set. And then I played three shows uh, in LA nothing crazy just local shows and we got picked up by uh M M mgi management so uh and i'd known sean for a while sean barush he's the main guy he's got a lot of good connections he's also got um the cherry bombs uh on the uh roster which is um cory taylor's fiance uh oh okay her, her group um so he's got, got a really good uh Russell, actually funny enough matt who shot our video society one he's kind of revamping these bands and they have they have a record coming out there they're on the roster too um so yeah sure sure not known him a while he hit me up and he saw that we were active and he, this was around may june he said hey i'm adding bands to the roster you know what do you guys got going on and i was like not too much you know that we have no offers on the table um you know like i really appreciate that you hit, hit me up um 
and I, you know, I was, I was happy to do it and see see what, you know what direction he can help take us in. Because as an in, independent artist, you know, there's only so much you can do. Really, you know, you don't have access to all those connections and, and middlemen that you need. Uh, I, think, I think at best, you know, you can just risk a PR campaign, and that can be fifty fifty. And you know, sometimes you get some good hits, and sometimes you you know you fall short. So uh, I was like, you know what, Let, let's do it. So I linked up with Sean and, and this was literally just in June, a couple months back. And uh, we've just really been focusing on the PR game. And he, I told him like, I honestly don't feel like the local LA shows are that, are that are beneficial to me. And, and my goal, whether I had management or not was to, you know, save up a budget to put the band on the road because that ultimately looks better as far as press goes. You know, I feel like that'd get us, get us further, even doing like an independent quick, you know, ten show run on the West Coast or something. Yeah, sure. Um, it, it it all it all builds up, you know, as far as your resume goes. So, uh, I told him my situation. He was like, "Yeah, you know, we're pretty much on the same page." Um, I've I've got some ideas. I think we need to get your PR game up, your press game a little bit. And uh, he said, "I really feel like I can market you better if you have a, a full length product." So, what he said was, "Get back in the studio." get an album's worth of material together. So it sounds like he's, he's trying to push to get us a, a record deal, you know, which is great. So that that's pretty much where I'm at right now. You know, we've, kind of, we've played a handful of shows and uh, I'm still definitely open to shows to test the new material. Uh, but for me, I'm really, I'm really excited um, about the upcoming uh, releases, which, which are pending, um, but pretty much just been in the studio the last couple months and just getting that content, you know, together um, to uh, to put towards the album, which we'll release at some point next year. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Chris? No, I'm, I'm good. I'm all good. I really appreciate the, the time you've given us here today. And oh, guys, I, thank you I, so I, much. I can't wait to hear the rest of the record, honestly. Yeah, yeah. that's... There's a lot of that good rock and roll making a comeback now, and I like that a lot. Do you know what, man? I I can't stress the importance of like authenticity and being uh, and almost being like a revolutionary style band, you know. And and this 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 doesn't come from ego or arrogance, you know. Like I I weighed up my options with music, and and I told Sean this. I was like, dude, it's so difficult for us to play shows right now with local bands because our sound has got a bit more of a uniqueness uh, to to other bands, you know, like I'm not claiming to be the most original artist out there. You can definitely sure. hear the influences in the music, but as far as linking up with other bands, it seems like I found that niche and found that swagger that does set us apart. And, and I can't stress the importance of that, you know, for uh, upcoming artists or bands that are going through maybe a metamorphosis and changing their sounds, you know, just do what comes natural to you because, um, that's all I've done, you know. I think you can definitely hear the influences in my sound, but you know, I'd like to think that you know uh, we do stand out from the the average bands, um, right? But yeah, but uh, you know, for me right now, I said to Sean, dude, I don't. Yeah, yes, it's always great. You know, every band wants to open for their favorite band, but for me, rather than being that band that wants to you know open for everybody else i'd rather almost try and be that pioneer band you know that kind of pioneers a whole new scene or revolutionizes oh, yeah. music so, so going back to also what, what you said earlier about um, you know how's the the music scene in la um 
to be honest, what I'm trying to do is kind of build as, as a community in, in a new wave uh, of like the rock metal sound and just kind of hopefully just, you know, um, break out uh, in the next year or so and kind of just bring a new scene with it, you know, of upcoming great young bands. So that's kind of where I'm at, you know, with the project. Nice. I know we talked to a band just recently the other day. I'll let you go here in a second, but we talked to uh, Wild Street out of New York. Yeah, and they're they're kind of doing something very similar. That real kind of aggressive rock and roll that we really love. Yeah, yeah. Those those guys have been doing that a while because I remember that they were on one of the Rocklahoma festivals like long, long time ago. Um, but yeah, I do know of those guys. Uh, I think Eric is this. Yeah, yeah. And yep. uh, Eric Jack. Yes, yeah, my but actually my buddy uh, Johnny. I don't know if you remember a band from a long, long time ago. They were they, they were a really good band. They were about to you know have a good push. They're called um, Dirty Penny from Santa Cruz. No, no. not familiar. No. no, they did like a big tour with Veins of Jenna. I think around 2010, and mm-hmm. they went out to Europe. And I felt like they were going to get a good push, and then they just kind of fell off the map. And uh, I guess they dispersed. But um, Johnny, their guitar player, played with Wild Street for a minute i think it was when they did that tour with diamonds a long mm-hmm. time ago but uh, yeah I, I, I did notice those guys are making like a bit of a comeback because it seemed yeah, like they were, they were a bit stagnant for a second yeah i think they had he said they had disappeared for a while and kind of went their separate ways and then they put it back together and i mean their new single tennessee cocaine was pretty cool we were grooving yeah. on it the other day nice so it's nice to see both sides of the coast there's like you know a push to get some real aggressive rock and roll back not necessarily metal not that there's anything wrong with that because i'm a metalhead but i kind of mm-hmm. grew up on that whole la scene and i like that and i, I also killer. like how it's become more modern you know it's 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 still rock and roll because it will always be rock and roll but it's also mm-hmm. moved you know into a more modern space which is really cool yeah yeah absolutely and you know i'm glad you mentioned that because um it gives me an opportunity to kind of check out these bands and, and see, you know, uh, how they've evolved, you know, because everybody's sound, you know, will evolve um, through the years for sure. You know, mine has, even in the space of, of a year, the stuff I'm writing now, uh, it's got a slightly different feel to it, but it, but it's still set in that, you know, like a high energy kind of hard rock, you know, good driving sound. I yeah. like to kind of, you know, keep that there. Cause that, that's kind of my, I don't know the word for it, but you know that's just my natural, oh, you know, yeah. deal. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll have to actually go back and check out some of our Wall Street n- new stuff. It's good to see that those guys are back on the scene because yeah, we just spoke uh, to him. I think beginning of this week or something. Yeah, yeah, it was this week or last week. Yeah, really I nice saw, guy. I, I watched one of the recent interviews as well. You did with uh, one of the guys from uh, Heavy Petting. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that was a good... Is, is he um, from Scotland originally? They're from Scotland originally, and he lives yeah. like in Houston or something now, I think he said. Yeah, got, yeah, 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 because all I could hear was this thick Scottish accent. I was yeah. like, I know of the band, but I didn't, I didn't realize those guys were UK-based. Yeah. They all were. That's funny, man. It's, I feel like everyone's had a little run in Texas, because I actually lived in Houston before I moved out to L.A., Really? Yeah, I was in Houston, but to be honest, um, there wasn't much of a music scene there. Like, they have a cool amphitheater, and they have the Warehouse Live thing. Um, yeah. Warehouse Live is great, great, but it gets a lot of the, uh, it still gets a lot of those, like, 80s bands in. Like, uh, I know, like, bands like Warrant and Faster mm-hmm. Pussycat still do that circuit and that scene. 
Um, but yeah, the warehouse live district is great. But other other than that, it was a bit more of that kind of like indie college vibe, you oh, know, yeah. sound. Yeah. So I didn't enjoy Houston because I couldn't couldn't get my band off the ground there, and it was a bit limited. Um, Dallas has a good scene though, right? It it does actually. What's funny is I, I spent more more time in Dallas, really. Uh, Down in that like I, deep I, elm section, right? Oh yeah, it's killer. It's killer. You got trees up there. Um, yep. Actually, my my drummer is out in Dallas, Fort Worth. He's a he's a drum teacher out there. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I actually spent just as much time in Dallas because at that time I was there. Ended up uh, helping out a friend's band and playing bass for them, and they were based in like the Fort Worth area. <laughs> so. Well, cool. That's all I've got, Chris. Yeah, I'm good. I really appreciate you taking the time and chatting with us. I, I really can't wait to hear the new record. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm just kind of doing it in my stride, you know. So, like, I estimated April, but in that time frame of working on it, I'm definitely going to drop a couple sing- uh, singles and a video. So, uh, it's a, there'll be new stuff. Um, so, yeah, just keep, keep an eye out on the social medias or killingcandice.com. Uh, and you, you'll be able to keep up with everything. Uh, hey, I did have a question for you guys, actually. Where, where about are you based in the U.S.? I'm in Richmond. Uh, I'm okay. In, I'm in D.C. D.C., okay. Cool, cool. Well, I'm not Good really stuff. D.C., but I just say D.C. because it basically is. It's North Got, Vir- yeah. I'm in North Virginia. Okay, awesome. No, yeah. I was just curious. I was just curious. Hey, guys, okay. since, since I am the number one poster boy for destroying censorship... I uh, decided to send you guys a not radio-friendly version, and uh, this one's called Misdeception. Gonna win it all 
appreciate you guys so much and give me give me a shout anytime you know if you guys need uh jingles or new music um or you just want to check in or you want to do a follow-up interview um awesome. always always happy to give my time to you thank you so much will do thank you thank you man All have right. a good day have a great hey, be well guys. take Cheers. care brother bye-bye hey you do you have any plans this year <laughs> how's that going do you get 2020 well welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020 where myself benny goodman and my good friends Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.